Hello, and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast is run by two ladies who play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature, and as such, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Wheel of Crime podcast. My Hello. name is Jen. And my name is Emily. Yes, welcome back to our second week of November. It is no longer spooky, which is quite sad. Hasn't been spooky but for hey, a while now. It's almost uh, the holiday season, the most wonderful time of the year, if you will. Yeah. Actually, I don't... I personally don't think it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's I'm Halloween. Not super Let's keen all just on be Christmas. honest with each other. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always really loved Halloween, but I don't know. Christmas is always like a weird thing where like um Yeah. Stress. And I also don't it's like the lo- snow. And I also really actually don't <laughs> like Christmas music. <laughs> See, I used to love Christmas. Like it was definitely my favorite holiday for a really long time. Until, actually, probably until I moved back to Alberta uh, after I graduated from university. And these last couple of years have honestly just made me hate Christmas because (laughs) it's been fucking stressful Mm -hmm. and fucking expensive. Like, why? Oh, so expensive. And, like, the second that I hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, (laughs) no, like, I'm not even kidding. The second I hear it playing in, like, any store, I immediately just want to, like, fold myself into the grave. Like, I absolutely hate the same (laughs) songs that play every year. It does not give me joy. It does not empower me. (laughs) It makes me angry. And I don't want to be there. It is a, I call it the retail curse. I feel like it really strictly (laughs) just comes from working in retail for so long that as soon as the holiday music hits, I'm like, just end me. Just (laughs) Just, kill me. No, like, seriously, just put me in a box and send me away. Like, I don't want to be there anymore. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I also worked in retail for a long time, but I still, I don't know, I don't mind Christmas music. It gives me a little bit of... A little bit of joy every now and then, but I also don't have to listen to it on repeat all day, so it's probably why I can bear it. That's fair, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because not only would it play in stores, but my mom is also like a Christmas carol music thing addict. A Christmas fiend. Yes, a fiend. So it just, (laughs) it's just inescapable. Uh, Well, I will say though that like with having Christmas on myself last year that there wasn't nearly as much Christmas music and that did make me very happy, but. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different when you have like your own place and your own fucking tree that you gotta set up and take down and blah, blah, blah. Silence. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, how was your last week, though? Did you get up to anything exciting? Uh, no. It's just been crazy busy at work and crazy busy. Uh, I have basically, like, two jobs. So, Mm -hmm. one is, like, personal projects and one is the one that, you know, supports my lifestyle. (laughs) They've both been busy. That's definitely fair. I don't know. My my last week was super busy but um i feel like the only really interesting thing i've done is just harass people i've bought things from who haven't shipped them to me and and play video games and that was really it i don't know i've been (laughs) i've been trying to keep it low key but like this is the time of year where people are starting to get ready for christmas too which i think is my other stress so then i don't really want to be out either yeah that just reminds me that i should buy christmas gifts it's weird in covid times too because I'm, like, actively trying to avoid the malls and the stores because I feel like if I'm going to get COVID, it's probably going to be now. And Mm -hmm. uh, because of my work, if I get COVID, it's basically like a death sentence. Yeah. 
So I'm not doing that. And I've just been trying to order all of my shit online before Canada Post gets too backed up. But that's the problem. It already has been for like months and months for any of our... I feel like our American listeners probably understand this as well as most people actually by this point. But Canada Post has been, I don't know, having like just a business stroke for like months because they (laughs) cannot deliver anything ever. Yeah, I... I'm waiting on this fucking sweater that I ordered. I ordered this fucking cardigan at the beginning of July. Like, it was July 1st. I remember I was like, this is my Canada Day treat. I deserve it. And I ordered (laughs) this fucking cardigan. Mm -hmm. And literally last week, they processed it. It hasn't even been shipped yet. Are you joking? See, this is why I get mad at people for not shipping things. It's like, hey, things are already backed up. Like, you can at least try. (laughs) Like, help a sister out. It ain't getting here until next fucking January. But, like, please help. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Major stress. See, that's why I'm I'm like, I'm going to try to buy most of my things in person just because I don't want to deal with the stress of, like, is it going to be here in time for Christmas? You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's like a, it's, it's a tough game this year of buy in person and go in crowded spaces during a pandemic versus shop online and nothing ever fucking arrives until seven months later. Yep, exactly. What do you do? I don't know. I'm confused. (laughs) Literally nothing. So, uh, (laughs) seeing as this is the wheel of crime. Would you agree that it is time for us to start spinning our wheel of questions? I mean, we've been talking for like six minutes about nothing, so probably. (laughs) (laughs) Our listeners are like, hey, like I listen for crime and so far all I've heard of is about fucking like coronavirus for the millionth time and complaints about the post and Christmas and all this other stuff that people have also heard a million times. But I hope that one of the reasons you're listening is for our rambling. And on that note, I am going to spin. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, let's Question number one. Oh, right. I'm asking you the questions. I mm-hmm. forgot. It's been a while since I had to do that. I thought about reminding you, and then I was like, mm. <laughs> considering she doesn't make them usually anyways beforehand. Oh, my God. Okay. Who is the oldest, like, what is the oldest known serial killer that you know of? Like, when you think of, like, when you think of, like, OG serial killers, who comes to mind? Jack the Ripper? Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, like, who comes to mind for most people. (laughs) Probably. Okay. I guess I'll spin for our next question. I'm sorry, I'm such a mess. (laughs) Let me guess. The second question is going to be, what's the most stereotypical name for (laughs) Yeah, okay, sure, that's a question. Oh my god, Jack? (laughs) Nah, I feel like... David. That sounds like a serial killer name to No, me. John. John would be a very stereotypical name for a serial killer. Because, like, you wouldn't expect, why like, John? a John to be killing people. But that's why it's not stereotypical. Whereas when you tell me David, I'm like, yeah, that guy fucking murders people. Oh, no. I always expect, like, a, something like, like, a little fancy, like, Stefan or something. But, like, it's actually Charles? pronounced Stephen, but they call themselves Stefan. Yeah, fucking Charles. Or, like, uh, oh, what's another one? Um, yeah, somebody who, like, takes a normal name and they're like, no, it's actually pronounced like this. And you're like, okay, Stephen. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry if you have one of those names. If you're a David, I'm probably going to think you're going to murder me. But, you know, it's just what it is. <laughs> Davy boy, we're scared of you. I'm scared of you, David. You know, it's weird because all these names that we just said, we assume they're men. Ooh, okay. I see That's interesting. I feel like, well, I think it literally is everything to do with how, like, statistically speaking, men serial killers do so with, like, uh, aggression. It's like aggression killings, whereas with women, it's like mass poisonings. 
don't know about that. I mean, there's definitely both, but I think, like, it's hard because, I mean, I, um, was doing research for a potential topic that we may or may not be doing in December. Ooh, la, la. Um, and I'm not doing this story, so I'll just tell you quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's this woman who essentially chopped up her roommate on Christmas Eve and hid her underneath the Christmas presents for someone else to find. Oh my god. First of all, nasty. Second of like, all, dismembered her. Not the spirit of the holiday. Like it may not be my favorite <laughs> holiday. I don't think I would count that as being like in the spirit of the holiday. <laughs> That's not the vibe. Not a vibe, no. <laughs> That's funny. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh I would agree. It's not the vibe. I don't know. But no, like, I, but I was saying that just because that is, I think, generally speaking, what I think, like, I, like you were saying, I don't actually know, like, how true that is. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure there was like a lady trucker that used to also attack people with a knife or something. I feel like men and like, men also poison people and women also brutally violently attack people Mm -hmm. i feel like there's just like a stereotype there that they're like oh women aren't as violent but there's they're they're the silent killers Ooh, yep but i feel like that's like not true there's tons of violent women out there come on Mm. women are violent too (laughs) we could kick your butt (laughs) yeah that's true um i'm trying to think i don't know i don't really have anything more to add but does this mean we should spin for our next question Assuming you've thought of one in the next five, last five seconds, minutes. I have. Uh Question number doesn't matter. Tell me your question. (laughs) Oh, man. I like how the wheel only matters during your episodes. (laughs) That's because I'm ready. I come with a description. I come with the questions. I come with a crime. Hey, I come with a well-researched story. It's just I always forget. Because you used to do all that, so I just forget that I need need to do it now. I know. Um, well, and so... I do think that it makes more sense for you not to do a description, because then it would give away too much of your story before you got into it. This is true. I Yeah, I don't think I'll ever do descriptions, because I feel like it doesn't make sense. I cover Whereas, a lot like, of vague do, like, topics. You do, like, more obscure things, so it makes mm-hmm. sense for you to do a description. Yeah. But anyways, our next question is, um, if you needed to go in like the witness protection program or something like that and you had to like come up with a completely new physical look what would you change about yourself to like make yourself look completely different like obviously like your hair or you know like your style or i have no idea hmm I guess it depends on, like, the nature of, like, why I was going into witness protection. Like, if somebody was actively seeking me out and they're like, oh, yeah, I know what she looks like, I would probably just, like, shave well, my head, going... dye the rest of it a bright color, <laughs> go well, golf, I don't know. if you're going into witness know. protection, you're, usually it's because, like, okay, yeah. they're That's worried someone's coming after you. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, I don't know. That's a hard like, question, actually. If the agent was like, okay, Emily, what color do you want to dye your hair? Yeah. What would you do? And it couldn't be the color it is now or colors that you've done before. See, I've had black hair before, for example. (laughs) I looked severely like a vampire. Like, it's just, it was too similar to be comfortable with that. I have had dark brown hair before. I guess the only hair color I've never really done is, like, a bright color. So, like, I don't know. I would stick with what I was saying. I would probably shave, like, the half of my head. Like, you know how, like, the cool punk people do? Mm-hmm. With, like, leaving a little bit of hair on top to, like, still be stylish and whatnot. And then I would probably go with a color. Because uh, Emily, Ooh. Emily, like, how I know her, would never do that. <laughs> because she's obsessive with matching colors. So if Emily was going to describe her or disguise herself, she would pick a bright color of hairstyle. See, I hope that if you ever have to go in the witness protection program, I get to be the one who... To dye like, my hair? your look. <laughs> because I'm like, ooh, she's going for a hot pink or a lime green. That's no the vibe. 
I would totally yeah. actually I have thought about it if I was gonna do a bright color I would probably do a mix between like reddish purple to like go f- with like a wine like uh like color a burgundy almost. not really burgundy because there would still be purple in there like I don't know mm. I can't think of the color name but all I can think about is like it's kind of like a wine like color. a wine red yeah kind of like a wine plummy red plum yeah plum would be good yeah what about you what would you change uh, I mean, I've also, like, dyed my hair, like, every color. So, like, I've even done, like, You've been pink, pink, you've been blue, you've been white, you've been black, you've been brown. You have not been fire engine red. I have. You have not. I have. In no. grade nine, in grade nine, I dyed my hair, like, bright red. We I have literally been pictures. best friends for years, and I've never, ever seen you with bright red hair. I can see, I can send you pictures. I remember my friend, one of our I feel like this was a dream. Moms. No, there's pictures. I can send you a picture. This didn't happen. That's, it did happen. <laughs> um, my One of my friend's moms was like, oh my god, you dyed your hair the color of Coke, like the Coke can is what she compared it to. Oh, wow. Oh, what a nice lady. Cocaine red. And I'm like, thanks. I thought it was cute, but I guess not. Never mind. I'll go fuck myself. It's okay. <laughs> Actually, I think you'd look really pretty with like, um, I know a lot of people are doing this right now, but like um, the like kind of like turquoisey blue or like an aqua blue mm. or something. Actually, if I had I like to pick that. a color for you, I would try to go with like an icy blue. So you'd like bleach your hair, but then you'd like have it like uh, ombre into like a, kind of like a... Not like a baby blue, but like an icy, like glacier blue almost. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be really pretty. You think I could rock that? Am I that cool? You totally could. It would match your eyes. Aww. Oy. See, you'd be in witness protection and you'd be hot while doing it. That is the goal. <laughs> and I'd be fun as fuck. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah. I don't know. But then like... I feel like if you were to have, like, a fun hair color, you would automatically need to start dressing, like, more punk or more, like, alt, 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 you know? Yeah, this is true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to come up with a whole new persona, you know? Yeah, Glacier Jenny would have to wear, like, um, instead of all black, you'd have to switch to, like, all white or something. Mm, I don't know if I could do that. Seems pretty risky. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I would know. Definitely I feel like spill stuff, all, and all of my clothes would be stained. You see, all I would just go straight to the other spectrum of what I normally wear, and maybe just like start straight up wearing like leather, but like not like in a goth way. I would try to, I would still try to make it like, casual. <laughs> this is my casual all leather outfit. Don't mind me. <laughs> a casual Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, that could be your look is literally just like a like a blue jean jacket combo. Oh yeah, you could I go mean, country. You nobody would ever no. find you if you committed to a country aesthetic. <laughs> oh my god, if I fucking moved to like some farm, they'd be like she'd never go there. Like never. <laughs> yeah. Literally never. that doesn't make any sense. Literally, it would be like it's like it would be like how did the the weird all leather purple haired chick end up friends with the blue haired cowboy lady. Obviously, they're lesbians. <laughs> oh my god, we could be ranchers together. Oh, yeah. Mm, goals. Oh, I want goats though. If we're gonna be ranchers together, I want goats. Aww, can we have like, um, like chickens? Not to eat, but to just love. Maybe just one. And we need to keep it in the house, though, as a pet. <laughs> yeah, of course. What else would we do? With that? And its name like, needs to be Squaker. Other... Oh, my God. <laughs> Next question. All right. It is our oh, last right. question, so I hope you thought of a good one. I did. Okay. All right. What is our last question? Okay. So imagine this. You are working... At the best marketing agency in the world, and a new brand of cigarettes is coming out, and you need to come up with a cool ass name for this brand of cigarettes. What would it be called? A new brand name, hey? Yeah. 
Uh, oh, what are those things that people are into right now? It's not like vaping, but it's like a certain brand. Jewel, is that right? I think so. I'm not hip with the children, but yeah, I think. I am not. I know children. Just, uh, I'm not friends with them. Um... <laughs> I'm just related I'm to not them. Friends. But no, I'm pretty sure okay, I would do try to do like a spin-off of that, but I would call it like a um I don't fucking know precious metals. Like a, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. I know nothing. I'm so bad at naming things. Um I know, so am I. Uh ooh. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I would just call it like a podless vapes or something. <laughs> podless vapes. Lol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I think what I'm going to go with the. Uh, grandma's early funeral. Grandma's early funeral? You see, that's what you think, but then any old lady I've ever met in my life who smoked have managed to outlive so many else. people. So many. And I'm like, does is it just because your body's like, yeah, I'm dying anyways. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make sure it's not for a long time. <laughs> I'm just gonna, you know, avoid all the other deaths. I like to think it's just like a preservation tactic. You're just like slowly mummifying yourself. Hey. That's a that's a thought. That's an idea. That's a it's vibe. Definitely an idea. Yeah, I don't know. I'm super bad at naming things. I could be like I could be like a, a boring person, and be like death sticks, but like I don't know. <laughs> death sticks. Well, I don't know if you would sell very many that you way. You wouldn't though. That's why I was like, it needs to be catchy. But like, I don't personally. I do not personally partake, nor do I enjoy. The, the scent of any of that type of product. So I literally don't even, can't even think of a nice thing to say where it would be like, oh yeah, this would sell. <laughs> ah, we're bad at this. Probably not going to get the job at the marketing firm, hey? Definitely not. Damn it. All right. That is the end of our wonderful, well thought out question round. <laughs> I am so sorry to everyone listening. Don't apologize. It, it actually brings me great joy. If I'm going to be honest, uh, the second I'm of glad. like panic in your eyes and then the like struggle to come up with something actually does make, it makes me happy a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm glad I can, uh, I can provide that joy and my evening know, entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, something yeah that's fair okay but i am very interested in hearing your story because i have no fucking idea what it is no guess an old like an old timey serial killer who killed people who smoked a certain brand of cigarettes and the company ceo had to go into witness protection uh not even close (laughs) okay that is literally all i could figure out which i also did not feel like was correct but like uh yeah i don't know well i mean you're at the old timey serial killer right well yeah because it's like the first question you asked me and then you like looked at me with like even wider panic (laughs) (laughs) who's an old timey serial killer and i'm like hmm okay i see I see what take we're taking today. Exactly. So are you ready for my story? Yes. Very ready. Okay. In the mid-19th century, Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants who swelled the populations of major cities, including East End of London, and from 1882, Jewish refugees fleeing a... Russia and other areas of Eastern Europe emigrated into the same area. The parish of Whitechapel in London's East End became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to approximately 80,000 inhabitants by 1888. Work and housing conditions worsened and significant economic underclass developed. 55% of children born in the East End died before they were five years old. Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were commonplace, and the endemic poverty drove many women into prostitution to survive on a daily basis. In 
October of 1888, London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel, with approximately 8,500 people residing in the 233 common lodging houses within Whitechapel every night, and the nightly price of a single bed being 4D. The cost of sleeping upon a lean-to ropes stretched across the bedrooms of these house being 2D for adults or children. The economic problems in Whitechapel were accommodated by a steady rise in social tensions. Between 1886 and 1889, frequently, frequent demonstrations led to police intervention and public unrest, such as Bloody Sunday in 1887 and anti-Semitism crime, nativism, racism, social disturbance, and severe deprivation influenced public influenced public perceptions that Whitechapel was a notorious den of immortality. Such precautions were strengthened when, in the autumn of 1888 when a series of vicious and grotesque murders attributed to Jack the Ripper oh my received God. unprecedented coverage in the media. No wonder you looked at me with panic in your eyes because I like took half a second to say Jack the Ripper and you were like, um... Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a classic one. Yep. Yeah, that, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> you got me <laughs> that is really funny i was suspicious from the beginning i'm glad that i was right hey i mean everybody's gotta be right once <laughs> yeah once i'm only right every day okay <laughs> that's a stretch true. only mostly sometimes <laughs> there you go a large number of attacks against women in the east end during this time eight adds uncertainty adds uncertainty to how many victims were murdered by the same individual. Eleven separate murders stretching from April 3rd, 1888 to February 13th, 1891 were included in a London Metropolitan Police Service investigation and were known collectively in the police docket as the Whitechapel Murders. Opinions vary as to whether these murders should be linked to the same culprit, but five of the eleven Whitechapel murders, known as the Colonial or uh, Caniconical Five, were widely believed to be the work of Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Most experts point to deep slash wounds around the throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genital area. Um, like messing around mm-hmm. mutilations uh, m- mutilation there you go <laughs> i can think of the word i was like what's the word i'm trying to say anyways mutilations there we go i got you you do got me the removal of internal organs and the progressive facial mutilations and the distinctive features of the ripper's uh modius operandi The first two cases in the Whitechapel murders file, those of Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Tabram, are not included in the five. The main five that are, like, pretty much for sure him. Mm Mm-hmm. Smith was robbed and sexually assaulted on Osborne Street, Whitechapel, at approximately... 1 30 a.m on april 3rd 1888 she had been bludgeoned about the face and received a cut to her ear a blunt object was also inserted into her vagina rupturing her uterus and she had developed um like internal bleeding and died at the hospital the next day Uh, she stated that she had been attacked by two or three men, one of whom she described as a teenager. This attack was linked to the later murders by the press, but most authors attribute her murder to the general East End gang violence unrelated to the Ripper case. Mm -hmm. Tabram was murdered on a staircase landing in George Yard, Whitechapel on August 7th, 1888. She had suffered 39 stab wounds to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, uh, stomach area, 
and <laughs> I just said that stomach and a um, with an additional knife wounds inflicted to her breasts and vagina, but one of Tabram's wounds had been inflicted with a bladed instrument such as a pen knife and one with possible exception all the wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual tabram had not been raped although she did have something go up her vagina so yeah yeah the savagery of the murder and the lack of obvious motive and the closeness of the location and date the later linked murders from jack the ripper led police to think this murder was also committed by him however this murder differs from the later murders because although tabram had been repeatedly stabbed she had not suffered any slash wounds to her throat or lower stomach many experts do not connect her murder with the later murders because of this difference in the wound pattern right so now let's move on to the five. The five that are like most known to be Jack the Ripper for sure. Right. So the Canocchial five Ripper victims are Mary Ann Nicholas, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Adows, and Mary Jane Kelly. The body of Mary Ann Nicholas was discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday, August 31st, 1888 in Bucks Row, Whitechapel. Nicholas had been last seen alive approximately one hour before the discovery of her body by a Miss Emily Holland, with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house in Thrall Street, um, walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. Her throat was severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae. Her vagina had been stabbed twice, and the lower part of her stomach was partly ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to protrude. Yeah, I don't like that. Several other um, incisions inflicted to both sides of her lower stomach had also been caused by the same knife. Each of these wounds had been inflicted in a downward thrusting manner. Right. And that's the thing, too, is if it's jagged, you know that whatever it was would have had an edge. So it wouldn't have been like a a normal, like, knife. It would have to have been something probably more like a bread knife. <laughs> Yikes. That would have been so much more painful, too. Well, that's the thing, though, is that, like, um, I remember... Oh, I can't remember what it is, but I listened to a couple other crime podcasts, and one of them... I remember somebody talking about how when it comes to anything, say, with your neck, that it's actually much more challenging to, like, slice through a neck than what most people anticipate when it comes to those types of crimes. So to have managed to get a score, like, two deep cuts, you would have to have done that forcefully and, like, angrily from what I can picture. Ooh, yikes. That's probably not a good way to die, I'm guessing. Um, I could be wrong. Well, no. Um, my... I do remember nearly headless Nick from Harry Potter really did not have a good time when he described his death in that really fictional world. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as we've got the testimonial facts. Yep, of nearly headless Nick. He's got us. <laughs> He's got the facts. He's got the experience. Um, <laughs> so now we all know. Now we just got to invite him on the show. Yeah, let's get him on here. You, you, you can set that up, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I can I can reach into... Oh, wait, I can uh, astral project into the Harry Potter universe and I'll, I'll invite him. I'll invite him over. Sick. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so one week later on Saturday, September 8th of 1888... The body of Annie Chapman was discovered at approximately 6 a.m. near the steps to the doorway of the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street in Spitalfields. As in the case of Mary Ann Nicholas, the throat was severed by two deep cuts. Her lower stomach had been cut open entirely with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of the skin and flesh plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulders. Yikes. And also weird? Like, yeah, I don't like that. 
Yeah, that's pretty fucking gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, don't love that. Her autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. Awesome. Yep, because that's what needed to happen. <laughs> totally, mm. yeah. Yeah, hmm. At the inquest into Chapman's murder, Elizabeth Long described having seen her standing outside of 29 Hanbury Street at about 5.30 a.m. in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deerstalker hat and a dark overcoat and of a shabby, gentle appearance. According to this eyewitness, the man had asked Chapman the question, Will you? To which Chapman had replied, Yes. Okay. Which is super sus. Very um, sus. Gotta say. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Adows were both killed in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th, 1888. Stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m. in Duffold's Yard off of Burner Street in Whitechapel. The cause of the death was a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, with which had severed off her left cartery, er, cartoid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath her right jaw. Mm. The absence of any further mutilations to her body has led to uncertainty as to whether Stride's murder was committed by Jack the Ripper or whether he was um, interpreted during the attack or interrupted during the attack. Sorry. Right. Several witnesses later informed police that they had seen Stride in the company of a man in close in or close to Burner Street on the evening of September 29th in the early hours of September 30th, but each gave differing descriptions. Some said she had that, or some said that her companion was fair, others dark. Some said that he was shabbily dressed, others said he was well dressed. Mm. So, like, very conflicting reports of right. what he looked like. And a Dow's body was found in Mitri Square in the city of London. Three quarters of an hour after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride, her throat was severed and her lower stomach ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. Mm -hmm. The left kidney and major part of her uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, her cheek slashed, and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and half an inch, respectively, vertically incised through each of her eyelids. That's disgusting. See, but yeah, I understand how they're linking it all together, because it's a lot of, like, those same weird, creepy things that, you know, wouldn't... Like the intestines over the right shoulder. Yeah. It's very bizarre. I... mm. I wonder what people people with an education would have to say about the psychology about that. Yeah. The, a triangular incision, the apex of which pointed towards a Dow's eye had also been carved upon each of her cheeks and the section of the arcule and the lobe of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing the police surgeon who conducted the post-mortem upon Adao's body stated in in his opinion these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes to complete a local cigarette salesman named joseph Londy. <laughs> ah of course <laughs> the cigarettes they definitely tie in somehow <laughs> they they do he's a cigarette salesman named joseph londy mm, yes and what did joseph so, have to say <laughs> joseph uh passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder and he described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been a dow's Londy's companions were unable to confirm his description, and the murders of Stride and Adows ultimately became known as the double event. Hmm. A section of Adows' bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement in 
School Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon a wall directly above a piece of apron read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. This graffiti became known as the Goulston Street Graffito. The message appeared to imply that a Jew or Jews in general were responsible for the series of murders, but it is unclear whether the graffiti artist um, or the graffito was written by the murderer on dropping the section of apron or if it was merely incidental and had nothing to do with the case. Right. Uh, Such graffiti were commonplace in Whitechapel and police commissioner Charles Warren feared that the graffito might spark anti-Semitic riots and ordered the writing washed away before dawn. I mean, Which makes sense. Yeah. Because we don't need that. That's just a no. We don't need more problems. No. Like, we got enough problems. Oh, Why yeah. are you going to hate other people? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the extensively mutilated and disembodied body of Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on the bed of a single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court off Door Street, uh, Spitalfields at 11, or sorry, at 10.45 a.m. on Friday, November 9th, 1888. Her face had been hacked beyond all recognition with her throat severed down to the spine and her stomach almost emptied of its organs. Mm. Her uterus, her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed beneath her head um, and other parts of her body placed beside her foot mm-hmm. about the bed and sections of her missing stomach and thighs upon a bedside table her heart was missing from the crime scene hmm yeah i don't like that either so each of these five murders were uh perpetrated at night on or close to a weekend either at the end of a month or a week um or so after Mm -hmm. and the mutilations became increasingly severe as a series of murders proceeded except for that of stride whose attacker may or may not have been interrupted um nichols was not missing any organs chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken at dow's had her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated kelly's body was extensively mutilated with her face gashed in all directions and the tissue of her neck being severed to the bone although her heart and was the sole body organ missing from the crime scene historically the belief of these five murders were committed by the same perpetrator as derived from the contemporary documents which link them all together to the exclusions of others in 1894 contemporary documents or Sorry. In 1894, Sir Melville Mac- Assistant Chief Constable of the Metro Police Service and mm-hmm. Head of Criminal Investigation Department wrote a report that stated the Whitechapel murder had five victims and five victims only. Mm-hmm. Similarly, the five victims were linked together in a written letter by police surgeon Thomas Bond to Robert Anderson, head of the London Criminal Investigation Department on November 10th, 1888. Some researchers have um, like suggested that some of the murders were undoubtedly the work of a single killer, but an unknown large number of killers acting independently were responsible for the other crimes. Author Stuart P. Evans and Donald Rumbelow argue that the five murders is a ripper myth and that three cases, Nicholas Chapman and Adows, can definitely be linked to the same perpetrator, but less certainty exists as to whether Stride and Kelly were also murdered by the same individual. Mm-hmm. Um Others suppose that six murders between Tabram and Kelly were the work of a single killer, and Dr. Percy Clark, assistant to the examining pathologist George Begster Phillips, linked only three of the murders that were thought by the perpetrated by weak-minded individuals induced to emulate the crime. 
McNaughton did not join the police force until the year after the murders and his memoriam contains serious factual errors about possible suspects. Mary Jane Kelly is generally considered to be Ripper's final victim and it is assumed that the crimes ended because of the culprit's death, imprisonment, institutionalism, or immigration. Mm -hmm. The Whitechapel murders file details another four murders which also occurred after the five that we just talked about. Those of Rose Maylett, Alice McKenzie, Pynchon Street Torso, and Francis Coles. The strangled body of 26-year-old Rose Maylett was found in Clark's Yard High Street Poplar on on December 20th, 1888, and there was no sign of a struggle. And the police believed that she had either accidentally hanged herself with her collar while in a drunken stupor or committed suicide. However, mm-hmm. faint markings left by a cord on one side of her neck suggested that she had been strangled. At the inquest to her murder, the jury returned a verdict of murder. Murder? Alice McKenzie was murdered shortly after midnight on July 17, 1889 in Castle Alley, Whitechapel. She had suffered two stab wounds to her neck and left her artery and her left artery had been severed several minor several minor bruises and cuts were found on her body which also bore a seven inch long superficial wound extending beneath her left breast and her navel one of the examining pathologists thomas bond believed this to be a ripper murder though his colleague george Bankster Phillips, who had examined the bodies of three previous victims, disagreed. Opinions mm-hmm. between writers are also divided between those who suspect Mackenzie's murderer copied the, you know, the style of Jack the Ripper to deflect mm-hmm. suspicion from himself and those who ascribed to this murder to Jack the Ripper. The right. Pynchon Street torso was a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman between the age of 30 to 40 discovered beneath a railway arch in Pynchon Street, Whitechapel on September 10, 1889. Bruising about the victim's back, hip, and arm indicated a decent, or that the descendant had been extensively beaten shortly before her death. The woman's stomach was also extensively mutilated, although her, genital, her, although her genitals had not been wounded. She appeared to have been killed approximately one day prior to the discovery of her torso, and the dismembered sections of her body are believed to have been transported to the railway arch hardened, hidden under an old chimney. Okay. At 2.15 a.m. on February 13, 1891, P.C. Ernest Thompson discovered a 25-year-old prostitute named Frances Coles lying beneath a railway arch in Shallow Gardens, Whitechapel. Her throat had been deeply cut, but her body was not mutilated, leading some to believe Thompson had like disrupted her assailant before he could like finish the job right and coles was still alive although before she died she did die before medical help could arrive which is unfortunate Mm -hmm. um a 53 year old stoker stoker stalker Mm -hmm. my god (laughs) stoker Am I okay? No. Nope. Time for bed. No. (laughs) James Thomas Sadler had been had been seen earlier drinking with her and the two were known to have argued approximately three hours before her death. Sadler was arrested by police and charged with her murder. He was briefly thought to be Jack the Ripper, but was later discharged from the court for a lack of evidence on March 3rd, 1981. Mm -hmm. Um, So... There were several other victims, um, such as Fairy Fay, a 38-year-old widow named Annie Millwood, another um, victim that was suspected was a young dressmaker named Ada Wilson, also 
the White Hill Mystery was a term coined for the discovery of a headless torso of another woman on October 2nd, 1888 in the basement Mm -hmm. of the Metro Police Headquarters um, that was being built at the time. There was also um, the a series of murders called the Thames Mysteries, um, which were also thought to be Jack the Ripper, and they were women with just their torsos. Again, uh, one of them was Elizabeth Jackson, who was a prostitute, um, whose various body parts were collected from a river. Um, there was also a seven-year-old boy named John Gill that was found. And Carrie Brown, uh, nicknamed Shakespeare, reportedly for quoting Shakespeare's sonnets, was strangled with clothing and then mutilated with a knife in April 24th, 1891 in New York City. Her body was found with a large tear through her groin area and superficial cuts on her legs and back. No organs were removed from the scene, although an ovary was found upon the bed, either purposely removed or unintentionally dislodged. At the time, the murder was compared to those in Whitechapel, although the Metro Police eventually ruled out any connection with that one. Right. Okay. Um, so the vast majority of the city of London police files relating to the investigation into the Whitechapel murders were destroyed in the Blitz and surviving police files allow a detailed view of the investigation procedures in the Victorian era. A mm. large team of policemen conducted house to house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. Forensic material was collected and examined Suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or eliminated from the inquiry. Modern police work follows the same pattern. More than 2,000 people were interviewed, upwards of 300 people were investigated, and 80 people were detained. Following the murders of Stribe and Adows, the commissioner of the city police, Sir James Fraser, offered a reward of 500 euros for the arrest of Jack the Ripper. The investigation was initially conducted by the Metro Police Whitechapel Division Criminal Investigation Department, um, which was headed by de- which was headed by Detective Investigator Edmund Reed. After mm-hmm. the murder of Nichols, Detective Inspectors Frederick Al- Aberline, Henry Moore, and Walter Andrews were sent from the central office at Scotland Yard to assist. The city of London police were involved under Detective Inspector James McWilliam after the Adows murder, which occurred within the city of London. Overall, direction of the murder inquiries was hampered by the fact that the newly appointed head of the CID, Robert Anderson, was on leave in Switzerland between September 7th and October 6th during the time when Chapman Stride and Adows were killed, which not a great time for a holiday. If you ask me. No, not a great time. I mean, three people were murdered. It's not fine, but you know, (laughs) hopefully Switzerland was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'll be at a nice time. (laughs) <laughs> did you go skiing let me know <laughs> did um, you try the chocolate i hear it's phenomenal i do hear it's phenomenal also the cheese is supposed to be ah, really good yes mm-hmm. i would go for the cheese uh so his little vacation prompted metro police commissioner sir charles warren to appoint chief inspector donald swanson to the coordinate the inquiry from scotland yard Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians were suspected because of the manner of their mutilations. Because, like, how precise everything was. They're like, well, maybe somebody who does this for work just decided to take their work home with them. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um... 
A surveying note from Major Henry Smith, acting commissioner of the city police, indicates that the alibis of local butchers and slaughterers were investigated with the result that they were eliminated from the inquiry. A report from Inspector Swanson to the home office confirms 76 butchers and slaughterers were visited and that the inquiry encompassed all of their employees for the previous six months. Some contemporary figures, including Queen Victoria, thought the pattern of murders indicated the culprit was a butcher or a cattle drover on one of the cattle boats that piled between London and mainland Europe. Whitechapel was close to the London docks, and usually such boats docked on Thursday or Friday and departed Saturday or Sunday. So that does make sense. It does make sense, yeah. The cattle boats were examined, but the dates of the murders did not coincide with a single boat's movements, and the transfer of crewmen between boats was also ruled out. Okay. Hmm. So, wah, wah, for that theory. Yeah. Um, In September 1888, a group of volunteer citizens in London's East End formed the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee. Um... They patrolled the streets looking for suspicious characters, partly because of the dissatisfaction with the failure of the police to apprehend the perpetrator, but also because some members were concerned that the murders were affecting business in the area. The committee Uh. positioned the government to raise a reward for information leading to the arrest of the killer, offered their own reward of 50 euros for information leading to his capture, and they hired private detectives to question witnesses independently. Okay. At the end of October, Robert Anderson asked police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murderer's surgical skills and his knowledge. The opinion offered by Bond on the character of the Whitechapel murderer is the earliest surviving offender profile. Bond's assessment was based on his own examinations and was most extensively mutilated victim and hit the postmortem notes from the four previous, like, conicon or canical murderers. Mm-hmm. He wrote. All five murders were no doubt committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appeared to have been cut from left to right. In the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is possible to say in what direction the fatal cut was made. But blood was found on the wall in splashes close to where the woman's head must have been lying. All the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to form the opinion that the women must have been lying down when murdered and in every case the throat was first cut. Right. Bond was strongly opposed to the idea that the murderer possessed any kind of scientific or um, knowledge, any scientific knowledge or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughterer. In his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits subject to periodical attacks of homicidal or erotic mania with the character of the mutilations possibly indicating, um, like mental illness. And Bond had also stated that the homicidal impulse may have developed from vengeful or brooding condition of the mind or that religious mania may have been the original disease but he does not like either hypothesis and nor does he think that either is likely right there is no evidence that the perpetrator engaged in sexual activity with any of the victims yet psychologists suppose that the penetration of the victims with a knife and leaving them on display in sexually degrading positions with wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derived sexual pleasure from the attacks this view is challenged by others who dismiss such hypothesis as insupportable um hypothesis yeah and in addition to the contradictions and unreliability of contemporary accounts attempts to identify the murderer are hampered by the lack of any surviving forensic evidence dna and analysis on the extent letters are inconclusive and the available material has been handled many times and is too contaminated to provide meaningful results there have been 
mutually incompatible claims that DNA evidence points conclusively to two different suspects and the methodology of both has been criticized. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that is basically it. There is so much more to the story, but we would be here literally all night. And I really want to hear your thoughts on Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because like you were saying, it is one of the older, more classic murderers. Like I would even say that it became notorious and then stuck around long enough that a lot of people view it. They've kind of romanticized the whole thing also. And there is no answer as to like who it actually was either. So I don't know. I've heard myself a few different theories. Like uh, one of them, somebody thought that there's actually a pretty good chance that the killer was a woman. I know there's a theory mm. where somebody somebody basically developed like a pretty uh, convincing theory where they think that Jack the Ripper was actually a woman and that's probably why they weren't caught. And that's probably why there were so many women who were so willingly willing to go along with a woman rather than with a random guy either. Um, right. So I did like that theory. But I don't know. Just like with what you were describing, I have my own personal theory that I, I have developed. Uh, do yes. tell. I think that one of the reasons why there were so many conflicting testimonies as to who it was is that um, I think somebody hired basically somebody to kill women because they were like, okay, I, I need to hire somebody to kill women because I want to be able to harvest their parts maybe as like a like a early experimentation on like organ removal and replacement and that kind of stuff. But they would need to do it for a woman because say, for example, who they needed the organs for was also a woman. So then they would have hired this guy who would then sit, agree because they either already had that like uh, sexual thing where it's like a fantasy killing scenario thing. And then they would work together. So then that person would kill and then the other person would join them, like say meet at take this person to like this location, kill them and then I'll be there. I will remove what I need and then just make sure you mark it so that uh people are thinking that it's not like it's just one person it's not like a bunch of people who are involved Mm, that's interesting i could see it that's gonna be my pet theory for now i'm sure if i thought more about it i could come up with other ones but like that's just the one that popped into my head like a ring of men who commit these murders and all purposely make it look similar to yeah with the intention of harvesting organs yeah interesting that is a very interesting theory. And maybe they know. did have a woman involved with, like, say, luring another woman away, but then that woman would run off, and then they'd get attacked by the man. Spooky. I don't know. There, I definitely think it wasn't just one person, though. I think that it would have had to have been multiple people. I See, I feel like the five murders were probably, like... I think the five were probably committed by one serial killer, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that he was never caught. Yeah, well, that's um, what I mean, right? He did it kind of like in, like not in broad daylight, but like he did it in the street, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, in the open. And like, if somebody's being murdered, you're going to assume that they would cause a bit Scream. of a ruckus before they died. Yep. Yeah, it's just interesting. Like, I don't know. Oh, I definitely, definitely would say so time. too. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, but I can see why people are still fascinated with it because you really don't know and will like will you will very likely never know unless they un- un- like find like a diary, which I really doubt, but you never know. Yeah, I feel like that'd be also very hard to verify, you know? Yes. Um yeah, I don't know. I will say though the whole like putting the intestines over the shoulder thing that feels very like um cultish almost because you wouldn't get a satisfaction from that either you know that's why i'm like i feel like there would have to have been either maybe an ideology or a group or like just like more more than one person involved maybe not directly with the murders but say he might have been in like not like a club but to have got gotten inspiration from like someone else or some other people this is very true i don't know but that be the end of our episode for this week. You guys will have to 
send us an email at wheelofcrime at gmail.com and let mm-hmm. us know uh, who you think Jack the Ripper is. Yes, Did I would love to hear to fan York? theories. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, oh my goodness, I had something pop in my head and then it just as quickly left. Ah, uh, panic. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, so you can you can email us. You don't even have to tell us about uh, anything Jack the Ripper. You can just say hi if you want to. Also, don't be afraid to leave us a review. Like we said before, it does help us reach out to more people. That's through Apple Podcast is the big one. You can also follow us on Patreon, and we do give out rewards for the different tiers of subscription services should you want to help support the podcast and help us to be able to contribute more and continue doing this. Uh, You can also follow us on social media. We do have a Facebook, a Twitter, an Instagram, a TikTok. All of it is at Wheel of Crime. Um, I think that's about it. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I think that... That wraps her up pretty nicely. It sure uh, does. All right. We will see you all next week for an Emily tale. Yes, a wild Emily tale. So until then, see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye.